We're in a series on Psalm 8 and its use in the New Testament. We've seen Psalm 8 as it is in itself, and then we've looked at Matthew 21 and the way Jesus used it. And now today we're going to look at how Paul used it in 1 Corinthians 15. So let me draw your attention to the basic structure we've seen. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And the peculiar majesty that we've seen is that God, in his great glory and majesty, uses babies and infants to still the enemy and the avenger. He uses the weak things of the world to bring about his triumphs. Or he says it again. So that's one segment of the psalm. And here's the other one. He looks at man and he says, um, or he looks at the heavens. The heavens are the work of your fingers. And when the majesty of God is compared to man, what is man? They're so small. And yet... You have given him dominion over the works of your hands, and you have put all things under his feet. So the, the point that we saw that Jesus picked up on was God rules the world by the weakness of man, and he defeats his enemies by the weakness of babies. That's the principle of God's majesty. It's not just raw power. It's majesty in meekness. Now, what we haven't focused on is what Paul picks up on, namely, when verse 6 says, you have given him dominion over the works of your hands, dominion over, over all God made. And then he puts it like this, you have put all things under his feet. Well, Paul feels an enormous disconnect here, as does every reader. Does it look like man has dominion over the works of God's hands? I mean, a tsunami breaks across India and 250,000 of these dominion havers are destroyed by the works of God's hands. Who's got dominion over whom here? Or all the beasts, all these all things, all these sheep, oxen, beasts, goodness, a little mosquito kills millions of people through malaria and a little black fly blinds hundreds of thousands of people and bacteria destroy people because of diseases in their lungs. What, what do you mean? What do you mean, David, that, that, that man has dominion over the works of your hands and all things are under his feet? You see the tension. So the big, big question is, um, when and how will this be true? Because right now it just doesn't look true. Now, here's the way Paul handles it. We're, this is the biggest chapter on the resurrection in the New Testament. And he's talking like this. As by a man, that's Adam, came death. By a man, that's Christ, has come resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all shall be made alive. So pause there and just see this. So Adam is being treated as the beginning of a whole human race. All 
die in Adam. So here's all the people coming from Adam and they all die. One of the descendants of Adam is Christ. And in Christ, all will be made alive. Now, does that mean all within the totality of Adam's race? No. Look at the next verse. But each in his own order, first Christ, the firstfruits will be made alive. Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. So this all here is the all that spreads from Christ. That is in Christ. So all who belong to Christ will be made alive. So Christ is treated here as a new Adam from which a new humanity is spreading. He is the representative man. Now that's crucial for what Paul sees about Psalm 8 down here. Let's keep going. Then comes the end when he, Christ, delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and authority and power, for he must reign until he has put uh, all his enemies under his feet. Sounds a little bit like Psalm 8, 6. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for God has put all things in subjection under his feet, quote marks, because that is a quote from Psalm 8, 6. But when it says all things are put in subjection, another reference to Psalm 8, 6, it is plain that he is accepted, God, who put all things in subjection, all things in subjection, another reference to Psalm 8, 8 6 in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, another Psalm 8, 6, then the Son himself will be subjected to him who put all things, all things in subjection under him. So it's clear that Paul has looked very carefully at this verse. Here's Psalm 8, verse 6. You have given him, and that's human beings, dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Now, a lot of people look at this and they say, oh, well, Paul is clearly interpreting the hymn here and here, all things under his feet as Jesus, pure and simple. And they treat this as a simple prophecy. This is not a reference to humankind. This is a reference to Jesus because Paul treats it that way here when he says, for God has put all things under his feet, referring to Jesus. I don't think it's that simple. I think Paul takes the original context very seriously. And what he's saying is this, just as in Adam, there was a promise that all things would be put under his feet and sin brought death into the world and misery and the triumph of many things in this world over man and man doesn't have the dominion. Now he starts over with Christ, the representative man and in Christ, a new humanity is forming that one day will in fact reign with Christ over all things. So you look at Revelation 3.21, for example. The one who conquers in faith 
the human being, the Christian who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, sit with me on my throne as I conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. So here we have Jesus ruling over all things and all who are conquering and in him, belonging to him, will be with him on that throne and we will regain our dominion. As it said in Romans, in uh, Psalm 8, or here it, is, here it is again in Ephesians 1. And this is a very puzzling text, but let me suggest something that you check out, consider for yourself. So Ephesians 1, he put all things under his seat. So God put all things under Jesus' feet. So there's a reference to Psalm 8, 6. So Jesus is the one who is the representative man and all things are going under his feet, under him. He gave it under his feet. But now look, and he gave him now as head over all things to the church. So he's the head of the church and over all things. What does that imply for us? Well, if he's our head, then we are his body and heads that rule over all things rule by means of their bodies. You stretch out your scepter with your, your mighty arm, the body, and then he calls the body the fullness of him who fills all in all. What in the world? Here's my, here's my suggestion. Christ as the ruler of all things, all things are under his feet, will fill the world with his dominion, fill the universe with his dominion. There won't be any square inch anywhere in the universe where Christ is not fully and completely reigning. And that fullness will be exercised by his body and man will be restored to his dominion in Christ and under Christ. So when it says back in Psalm 8, you gave him dominion over the works of your hands, that you right there is human beings in Christ, human beings as they would prove to be, as they were designed to be, when the representative man comes and gets victory over death and victory over all things, we in him will rule with him and Psalm 8 will have its complete and final fulfillment.